Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. scripture lesson for this sermon comes from the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 through 13, the rest that God promised. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest is still open, let us take care that none of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For indeed, the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that eternal rest, Just as God has said, as in my anger I swore they shall not enter my rest, though his works were finished at the foundation of the world. For in one place it speaks about the seventh day as follows, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place it says, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains open for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he sets a certain day, today, saying through David much later in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak later about another day. So then, a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one may fall through such disobedience as theirs. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one whom we must render an account. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So this may come as a surprise to very few of you, but I'm a runner. I love to run. I run pretty much every day when I'm not injured. However, one of the things that I've learned over my years of running is the importance of a, of a recovery day or a rest day. Now, this is not to say that uh, I don't run at all sometimes. It's a time where I intentionally run at a slower pace than normal to allow my body to recover in an active way. Many runners who don't run every day will often take a rest day, an intentional day off of running. And, And both of these types of days hold their purpose when it comes to growing as a runner or an athlete. This idea of rest and recovery plays a vital role, in, and, and not just in my life as a runner, but in our lives in general. This is the type of self-care that many of us are used to talking about. It's, it's very easy to talk about days off, vacation, renewal, sabbatical, whatever we want to call it, but practicing it is a different story. And yet, it is one of the most important and vital tools we have. 
a book I recently read and, and just loved and enjoyed called Peak Performance. It's written by Brad Stahlberg, who's an executive coach helping corporations and organizations unpack their full potential, and, and Steve Magnus, who is a renowned running coach, coached at both the professional and collegiate level of track and field, cross country, road racing, all of this stuff. And the thesis of this book is this thing known as the growth equation. And in their initial chapter, they are talking about how to strengthen your bicep as a metaphor for also finding strength in our lives. And uh, they write that the key to strengthening your bicep, and as we'll learn, any muscle, be it physical, cognitive, or emotional, is balancing the right amount of stress with the right amount of rest. Stress plus rest equals growth. And this equation holds true regardless of what it is you are trying to grow. Much of what we have covered up to this point in this series has been primarily focused on knowing ourselves, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And yes, one of these knowledgeable areas of our life comes with the rituals that help us to exist in a constant state of mind. And yet, to cover the greatest self-care ritual, we have yet to cover the greatest self-care ritual that we can practice, right? It's, it's one of those that is often covered exhaustively when it talks about self-care. And I saved it for the latter part of this series because I wanted to impress that our self-care ritualistic lifestyle encompasses more than just this one nature, more than just this one ideology. And in fact, it takes a collaborative work of bringing all of these ideas and points together that help us to understand how truly vital of a tool it is. And so rather than getting tired of hearing about rest... It becomes an important and vital tool in our self-care routine that we can adequately reflect on as we go through our lives. And so, yes, I'm talking and referring to this nature and ideology of rest, right? The reason that rest gets talked about so much in the nature of self-care is because it is easily the most important ritual in our self-care toolbox, right? In rest, we have what I like to call the four R's of rest. We have reflection, renewal, refreshment, and revitalization. The problem is we don't rest correctly or we fail to take rest at all. And it's in this space, in this time, where we either don't practice it at all or don't practice it in a way that actually feeds us that we become worn out, that we become burnout, that we lose hope in this idea of rest, right? We live in this go, go, go society. And, and oftentimes when we seek out opportunities to rest, we are often then labeled as lazy or lacking because we are taking a time to intentionally exclude ourselves from a portion or a place in our lives. But it starts with a healthy understanding of rest and then utilization of that ideal of rest. Right, this idea of rest and Sabbath. Right, I use those two words separately intentionally because Sabbath and rest each have their own purpose. And whether it's separately or together, they encompass the very nature of who God is and thereby who God created us to be. And we find this nature present in this scripture that we explore today. Right, This scripture in front of us from Hebrews 4 invites us to consider the nature of rest as it is part of God's eternal nature. 
and therefore part of our inherent calling of eternal salvation. Right? And so the eternal rest is the nature of eternal salvation. Right? It's not this point of death, but it is this harmonious nature of this balance of life. Right? And that's why the writer here in Hebrews 4 is bold enough to proclaim in, in verses 9 through 11, so then a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also rest from their labors as God did from his. Notice that there's those two understands of rest. And so he says, the writer says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through, dis through such disobedience as theirs. Now, why is this such a bold statement for the writer of this text to lay claim to? Because of the nature and understanding of both Sabbath and rest to the people of Israel, to the Hebrew people. Because Sabbath and rest are essentially a claim of salvation in recognition of the very nature of God. Right? We, we claim salvation through our understanding of God, right? Through, through acknowledging God's love in our life. This is our idea of justification as we present it through our Wesleyan doctrine, our United Methodist ideals and theology. But if we believe that we are justified through God, then we believe we are also sanctified through God. That we live into our salvation here on earth. And by living into our salvation, we live into that eternal nature, not just of God's actions, but of God's rest. Right? Not only does God create in the first six days, but on the seventh day, what does God do? God takes a day of rest. And we get this idea and understanding of Sabbath in our lives. And so then it falls to us to understand what is this nature of Sabbath? And then what is this nature of rest? And you see uh, a, a resource that I love to go to that really helps to unpack a lot of these ideals to help to unpack scripture and in sort of a, a more simple manner than, than maybe all of those theological words that I learned in seminary, the Bible project. If you have a chance, go look it up on YouTube or, or they've, they've got a website, bibleproject.com. But the Bible project has this really simplistic understanding to try and lay forth an understanding of Sabbath for us and why Sabbath is still important for us today. And the writer of this commentary, of this article, of, of, of this piece says there are two main words for rest in the Hebrew Scriptures. That's there's these two words in the Old Testament for rest. And this is where translation becomes important for us. You see, the first word is Shabbat. Shabbat, which is partially translated into the English word Sabbath. And this word for rest simply means to stop working. Right? And we think, and the author goes on to say, think of an hourly job where you clock out at the end of the shift. The work is done. There's no more until you clock back in. Right? And then the, the author continues to say, Missy Takano, who writes this article, says the other main Hebrew word for rest used in the Hebrew scriptures is nuach. This means to dwell or settle. Right? Notice the difference. She, she says this is not the same as clocking out from an hourly job. This is the type of rest. It's like sitting in front of a fire with a loved one or, or unpacking a suitcase to stay at grandma's house for the holidays. I don't know about you. Sometimes I just tossed my suitcase in a corner so I could spend more time with grandma as a kid. 
But we see in the differentiation between how these two words are labeled, we see this translation understanding as we think about the different ways we can understand rest as it's present in Hebrew scriptures and as it's present throughout the Bible. And so we see Sabbath, our times, we can clock out from the world around us, from the many different various aspects of our lives. And then rest is about settling into some sort of state of what I will proclaim is renewal. And so how do we reconcile these first two, these two ideals of rest in our lives? And what does this mean for our self-care? Because this is a reminder of living into our salvation. It's not a matter of falling out of salvation altogether, right? The, the writer here in Hebrew says, Therefore, while the promise of, of entering his rest is still open, let us take care that none of you should seem to have failed to reach it. It's not that we will lose our salvation by not resting, but I think that we will lose a part and disorient ourselves in the image of God that we bear if we forget to rest. Right? We often think about losing our salvation. But what if instead we consider that we are not fully living into the image of God that we are creating in? Right? Knowing and understanding God's love changes us. And one of the ways it transforms us is through this nature of rest. Because we have the example of rest from God. We have the example of, of rest in the image of Jesus Christ. And we have the example of rest in the early church. And so why then do we appear incapable of resting? or unwilling to take time to practice Sabbath or renewal rest? Why do we receive pushback from society when we do so? And for us to really understand this, for us to really look into it, we have to understand how to take Sabbath and how to take rest as a both-and measure of our practice of faith and self-care. Right, We seek times to clock out from work, from the variety of things. We can't be going 24-7. Right, and sleep becomes a, a, a really great example of this tool. We have to sleep. Doctors tell us five to seven, tell us uh, seven to nine hours a night. I think that's more idealistic than than practical for many of us. But but sleep is a very important tool. Our body needs adequate amounts of sleep to function, to recover, to 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 do things, to learn, to grow. And if we don't get enough sleep, it's going to affect the body. It's going to affect the way that we function. And just like in that seventh day where God took a time of Sabbath, where God clocked out from creating, right? For us, it doesn't have to be that seventh day. It doesn't have to happen on Saturdays like we tend to think of it in the Hebrew scriptures. It can be any day of the week, right? My Sabbath is on Fridays, at least from church work. And I will not pick up my phone. I, I turn off my emails. We've created a system to help the life of the church to continue on. but but. I ask that you don't call me, that you allow me to have this time where I can clock out of this job, where I don't have to worry about what's happening, but that we have a community that can care for one another. And this is what makes Sabbath so difficult. It involves effectively cutting off a point of our lives, creating an intentional boundary. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But it's difficult because we either don't live up to that boundary or we allow that boundary to get abused sometimes by certain individuals. But we have to understand, both in terms of practicing it ourselves and allowing others to practice it, that this is a necessary time. Right? I need time in my week where I don't have to worry about my vocation. 
I need time in my week where I can take time away for myself and I can meditate, collect my thoughts. I need to trust that there are those who are capable to back me up to handle things. And yes, can contact me if it's truly an emergency. It's creating time during our weeks, during our months, during the years, during lifetimes. Right? Whether it's the day off, days off during the week, times of vacation, renewal, or even sabbatical. Right? These are times we must take in our lives because the offer is to rest our tired minds and spirits. And then we don't just think about this time of Sabbath, right? We think of this time of Sabbath and rest as a both and thing. It takes both and at the same time or separately to have a good practice of self-care. And so to add the nature of rest to Sabbath asks us to consider how are we not only removing ourselves from the busyness of life, but how is our rest also renewing and revitalizing us? Right? Remember that growth equation I shared at the beginning of this sermon? Stress plus rest equals growth. Yes, stress can be healthy, right? But the right amount of stress and 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 you know the right balance of stress, the right kind of stress, the right amount of stress. You know, as a runner. The right kind of rest is important. Right before my elbow injury, I was running seven days a week. And you may think to yourselves, well, Pastor, you're not resting in that. But you see, rest happened at different points. I had my intentional Sabbath days from running where my run was much, much easier than the other days called recovery days. But in order to handle those recovery days and the rest of days that came about, I had to intentionally make sure that times that I was resting were times that I was resting productively. Right? Stretching, drinking plenty of water, mental preparation. Part of my rest routine as a runner. In the same way, when we take Sabbath, when we take intentional time away from rest, from stress, rest adds the layer that helps to build a self-care purpose. If stress is time away, then rest is about renewal. It's about a state of mind that not only allows us to get the rest, but that allows us to return from the rest in a good mental, physical, emotional, or spiritual headspace. My mind reflects on the renewal of going on vacation, of spending time with family in joyful settings. Spending time with friends as a nature of rest and renewal. This nature of rest that is preached from this passage in Hebrews is this both and kind of rest. So now then, a Sabbath rest still exists through God. Because without them, we can often lose or forget the role we play in God's kingdom. You know, I know I've said it many times in this series, but I'm a better pastor, father, husband, Friend, human being, when I practice Sabbath and rest, when I'm able to take my time off, to clock out, when I'm able to take rest, to renew myself, to help better understand myself, to unpack who I am and the ways that I can effectively be a good pastor, father, husband, friend, human being. But we have to view rest as a necessary tool, 
No matter how much we think we are needed in a certain area or how much think we think we owe in certain respects, rest is what keeps our life, ministry, and vocations vital. It's about labeling those ways to both break away and find space for renewal. It may be diving into a good book. It may be spending time with friends. It might be this worship service. Anything that fills us up, that allows us to escape from the stresses of life, to not only find time away, but also time for renewal. Amen.